All right, soccer freaks. This is ATL on Fire, the podcast. We're going to be talking all things Atlanta United Football Club. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy. everybody welcome back to another episode of atl on fire if you are not subscribed to our channel on youtube down here in the corner over there down there a little red button get over it done where? over <laughs> where and uh yeah you'll find us on twitter at atl on fire and appreciate any reviews on apple as we increase the number of podcasts we do dave we're doing pretty well now we're starting to find our groove and uh, very nice yeah, and thanks everybody for listening. There's a lot to talk about on the Atlanta United front. We just finished up some international soccer between the Euros and Copa America, and right. Um, yeah, Dave. So what uh, what are we drinking here this evening? Well, um, we might get into it later, but um, I lost a bet to Mikey Dobbs during the uh, Euro final. Yeah, let's get so. into it. <laughs> So uh, I had to bring over a very nice wine. This is an Alexander Valley uh, Cabernet Oops. Um, from Sonoma. With uh, mm. As I read on the label, it has hints of a number of other grapes. Um, it's very nice. Oh, that is delicious. <laughs> Loving it. Well, thank you, because uh, I feel like, yeah, I was uh, in the right place on that bet, which if I can bring you up to speed, uh, Dave and I were together watching the England and Italy yeah, final yeah. during the uh, penalty shootouts. And as the overtime kind of was waning, we were talking about the, the forthcoming penalty kicks. And Dave, the inevitable penalty kicks. Dave was convinced that Southgate, due to his own personal player issues, having missed a penalty kick uh, years ago, had prepared this team to be ready for penalty kicks. And so it would be a England advantage going to penalty kicks, which I adamantly disagreed with because frankly, you know, penalty kicks are a crapshoot a to begin with and B there's just so much emotion going on that even the best players in the world like Messi can tend to miss uh, or uh, who, who do we see um, uh, missing another game? It was uh, Mbappe, right? Like, so oh, yeah, great, great goal scorers yeah. uh, very often miss penalty kicks. And so the idea for me that you could prepare a team to mentally be ready in a moment that they've never even been in seemed a little silly to me, Dave. Well, I agreed with you that penalty kicks are a crapshoot. And I agreed with you that ultimately that I didn't like the idea of bringing on, I brought on Rashford and Sancho just for taking penalty kicks, which I think is never a good idea. Um, and we right away brought up the fact, okay, if you're going to bring on two young, speedy, um, really good goal scorers from two of the top leagues in Europe, you know, why not give them 15 or 30 minutes yeah. against two of the oldest defenders in the whole tournament um, to see if they can run by someone and score? At home. <laughs> at home. And, yeah, I, I, you know, I feel like that's where the coaching fail with Southgate came in. You're at home. Why not lose lose with it being your your decision with 30 minutes in, in overtime, right? And so Yeah, and he likes to play, you know – like eight defenders and just three attackers, but you could have just freshened up the attackers. You know, you might say, all right, well, 
you know, he left on those players to take penalty kicks. Um, but, you know, um, Raheem Sterling didn't take a penalty kick. He could have play, replaced him with Sancho, who's a very like-for-like -like player, and still kept his eight defenders on the field and would have been fine. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I felt <laughs> that training penalty kicks and practicing and having a game plan would give them advantage. And I thought that Southgate, having missed a penalty kick in the World Cup himself, was so adamant about having the team prepared. They finally got over the hump in the previous World Cup in Russia, where they finally won a penalty kick shootout after many, many, many uh, appalling failures in England. Um but, uh, and I thought that they would win again, but I was wrong. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> particularly the move to bring them on cold, having been on the field for 60 seconds, uh, younger players, and, you know, they've talked about this on other, you know, shows a million times that, you know, um, I think ESPN FC is kind of hammered this one to death, really. But, the, you know, the fact that, you know, you want to put the pressure on your most senior players in that moment, even if the data at practice says, uh, you know, uh, Sancho and uh, whoever it was ha have a better record. You know, I think it's just, you know, too much backlash you're putting on those players. Yeah, too. it was Rashford and Sancho yeah. we brought on. And, you know, so anyway. And then he allowed um, Saka, who has to be, what, 17 years yeah. old, yeah. to take one. I don't mind young players taking it. I actually, again, disagree with you a little bit there. But, you know, um, I don't like the idea of bringing on a player who is not at all in the game to take one. I, I don't mind young players taking them in in normal games or, or whatnot, but I think on a stage like that, it's a completely different situation where you're, you know, the upside to Saka making that versus the downside, I think, um, doesn't make sense to me. And, you know, because it, it is one of those situations where, you know, you watch enough of these penalty shootouts it's almost like inevitable. It's like you can feel it coming. Um, <laughs> and and uh, sure enough, it did. And, you know, I feel I feel bad for, you know, these guys that you know, their head wasn't necessarily in the game and had to come in uh, last minute. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an appalling end, um, unfortunate. But on, uh, you know, the south side of the equator, uh, I personally was happy to see Messi lift his first international trophy of meaning uh, with Argentina. I thought uh, it was nice to see that um, in that final he didn't have a great game. Played played okay, but didn't have Apparently anything. Apparently they said afterwards that he was injured and played anyway, uh, well, which seems weird, but I didn't didn't look like he was moving too badly. But. No, he didn't. And uh, other than the slip where he could have re really sealed the deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's funny, in all the goals that Messi has scored over his career, how many ridiculously difficult finishes did he have? And to miss that one. Um, for the podcasters, yeah. listeners who didn't see that, which, you know, come on. But uh, <laughs> it was an absolutely stunning through ball. Split the two defenders, put him right in on the goalkeeper at the, you know, sort of six-yard box, corner of the six box. And instead of just hitting it one time in the corner, he got a little cheeky and tried to cut it back. Um, Ederson and Gold did a nice job of, you know, not buying the fake completely. I think Messi still would have gone by him had he not slipped, but he slipped on the cut. And allowed Ederson yeah. to recover and win the ball. Yeah, uh, you know, forty-nine times out of fifty, Messi's finishing that. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, let's bring it back home to Atlanta. What we've had two games since our last podcast. I think just one. We or talked one. about the July third game the when Chicago. I was out in uh, Seattle. Um, That's right. And so, um, 
Yeah, that game we talked about how, you know, walks failed to read the danger. <laughs> but in the Nashville game where yep. we tied 2-2 with a very thinned out team. Very uh, thin. It was walks, right, who had a nice header. Uh, yeah, walks opens up the game in the fifth minute, you know, on a free kick at the back post, guided a header back, yeah. put it back where it came from. Nice goal. Yeah, Moreno, um, again, good signs from him. I mean, I think, you know, whipped in a great ball to, to Walks' head and Walks put it away and just, you know, squared it away to the, the, the far netting. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was pleased to see that, um, especially with, you know, a, a team that, um, you know, was uh, missing a lot of players, to say the least. Uh, we were able to come away with that with a point. And, you know, I would say I would have taken that uh, had you asked me, you know, at the beginning of that game. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have the U.S. internationals. Um, we didn't have um, Barco, um, who was on Olympic duty for Argentina, and we didn't have the South American players, Martinez. Um, we also had a couple of injuries in Ibarra, so, you know, no Guzan, no Bello, no Robinson, yeah, <laughs> no Alan Franco, no Martinez, no Barco. You know, that's a thin roster. Yeah, and so we, we've got a ton of injuries. Um, and uh, one bit of good news going into Saturday's game, though, is uh, Jake Mulraney's red card uh, was appealed and overturned. Yeah, so what did you think? Uh, well, I immediately thought that it was a good tackle, just even in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, a, I'm a, I'm a fan of um, you know, letting you know, strong defensive plays go uh, as long as like studs are – uh, not up and it's not truly endangering the player. And I, I just don't think that that was a, like on the naked eye, like immediately I, I didn't jump to saying that that was a red card, nor did I think it was um, he was necessarily uh, on goal by himself. I think there was another defender back as well. So yeah, yeah, um, was close. But then, yeah, on the, on the replay, I quickly was, you know, I was like, Oh, they'll go to VAR. They'll overturn this. And I think even some of the commentators were on that side of the, the coin, too. And uh, they didn't. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I'll say is, you know, for those uh, podcast listeners who um, are still developing as footballers, um, Mulraney gets himself in trouble because he's completely a one-sided player. He's all left foot, which is why when he's on the right side, he cuts everything back predictably to cross. Um, he cannot cross with his right foot. And there, he's playing basically, you know, from the left-back situation. He's coming across to the middle. And the right, correct defensive play would have been to swing up the field back into the challenge. But instead, he challenges with his left foot coming across the player. He gets all ball. But when you do that, the rest of your body is cutting right across the player and you take him down. So I don't think it's a foul. But it is really poor technique. I will agree with you. He's very much a, a left-footed He's player. All left foot. But there was that one game where he, at the 90th minute he cut it back to his right foot, crossed it to Moreno, and headed it. Am I wrong? Yeah, on it's that? funny because you know when I've seen him try with his right foot, it hasn't been too bad, and you know it doesn't seem from that that he's so uh, left-footed, but. He is so not confident. He doesn't use yeah. it at all. And there, as a challenge, I mean, it was it was 
uh, I mean, the, the technique was really poor. And you're going to get, yeah. you know, as a defender, if you challenge with the wrong foot, you're going to get yourself in trouble all the time. It has to be perfectly timed. And in this case, it was basically perfectly timed. He did get all the ball. But you're still going to get yourself in trouble because the body takes the man. Yeah. Um, but, you know, fortunately, in the great infinite wisdom the man behind the curtain in mls <laughs> said oh the referee got it wrong var got it wrong and they rescinded the red card so we apparently get two challenges for red cards during the season but if the challenge is upheld then um we retain our two oh, challenges good so we still have two more we still challenges got left. two so you know so sorry Dave, i was just bringing up the um the injury status. Very uh, fancy. It's almost like we're a real podcast. I know. And I've shared this with the Twitter sphere um, because we, as we've talked about on the podcast, um, they've really done a poor job of keeping fans informed of who's going to be available for the next game. So uh, this spreadsheet I put on our Twitter account at ATL on fire. Um, I'm going to try to keep this up to date. Um, at least best I can by reading up and, and putting a, a date and what we've heard in the news in terms of um, their injury situation and or availability. Uh, it seems like some of the, the folks I, I was unclear on, like um, Joseph Martinez, and uh, I think is going to be available. But <laughs> I think that is going to bring us to our next part of our podcast here, which is right on today's big topic. Joseph Martinez. Um, uh Evidently, Heinze said that Joseph is practicing by himself, not due to fitness, but due to purely a coaching decision, which he is confident he's making the right decision on. So there is a ton of speculation out there, of course, on these uh, you know, social platforms where uh, it's, it is a little bit comical just to go out there and see what the speculation is. I try not to, to dive in too deep. Um, you know, rumors right now, I think, the biggest one that um, I think people are concerned about is, does this mean that Joseph is potentially going to be transferred in the summer window here because he wants out? Do you believe that to be the case? Um, I don't know. Um, the last time that we had a player trained by themselves, which I believe was Gressel, who disappeared unceremoniously um, from Atlanta United, so the precedent is poor. Mm -hmm. Um. On the other hand, you know, nobody could have ever predicted that a sometimes temperamental Joseph Martinez and a fire-blooded uh, <laughs> Heinze might get into a bit yeah. of a scrap. And right? Does it surprise anybody? No. And that's <laughs> what I think this. Personally, I hope so. I hope so, and I think this that's what it is because, uh, you know, it does not make sense at all in, in terms of, at least reading the tea leaves that I have in terms of really, you know, up until this point, has there been any issues with Joseph saying he wants to go to another club or he doesn't want to be in Atlanta? No, there's none of that. He's also coming off a major ACL um, surgery. He's his worth is very low right now. He's only yeah, got two. Be the worst. He's only got two goals in 2021. Yep. Um, and so he's he's really not a proven commodity. So. I don't see where, you know, his value on the trade market would even be high. And, like, where would he go? Like, he's done with Europe. He's already been there. He's he's come back. He's 28. Um, he's not going back to a major competitive European club, period, the end. I'd have to believe that he's being transferred. He would be transferred, God, I should I say it, to another MLS club. 
I think that is <laughs> much a much uh, more likely thing. Yeah, because I think Joseph also likes the states. I think he's become very comfortable, as you see on social media, with uh, other sports, um, you know, uh, figures in the Atlanta market. But I think he likes the lifestyle. And, um, you know, I actually like the fact that if this is a pissing war between Heinze and Joseph, that Heinze is the one that's putting him in a corner because Joseph does have a lot to prove right now. I want like as a fan right now, I, all I give a crap about is goals. I love Joseph Martinez. He gave me a championship, but what are you doing for me today is all I care about on this podcast. And that's all he should care about. And if the club is looking at the statistics of people who have ACL injuries, the data is not good for Joseph. doesn't mean he can't be the exception, but while he's come back a hundred percent as in he's here mm-hmm. and he is playing the data for all sports that I don't know. I read in a guardian article. So take this with a grain of salt. Um, you know, in, in the NFL, like running backs and wide receivers, their performance, even when they come back, like they're hundred percent there, but their performance is one third of what it was statistically mm. once they're back on the starting lineup. I and so yeah, your NFL and raise you Adrian Peterson. And I raise you, and I raise you the fact that the data right now says Joseph Martinez has two goals, which feels like it's probably one third of his typical um, curve at this point in the season. I don't know how many games we've played, but two goals. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about it in the podcast. He's definitely not one hundred percent back yet, but he's shown some signs of definitely getting better. Um, and so, you know, I don't think at least I or anybody could have reasonably expected that Joseph Martinez would be the Joseph Martinez of pre ACL, you know, first game out. Like there's just no way he was always going to take a half a season to get back up to speed. So, um, but someone, I wouldn't worry about it yet. If I, you know. someone was arguing the counterpoint of funny enough on Twitter that, uh, uh, Jordan Morris is a good example of a recovery. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I think that that smack... I, second I, ACL. I yeah. mean, second... Like, I'm sorry, I love Jordan Morris, and like mm-hmm. I like Joseph Martinez, even though Jordan plays for, uh, what, Seattle? Uh, Seattle. Right? Um, you know, sadly, I would almost mortgage this house on the fact that we're not going to see him playing competitively at the U.S. men's national team. I hope Jordan proves me wrong and comes in and squats on my house. But <laughs> sadly, I just... You know, sadly for him, I feel like the, uh, you know, the, the, the stats of, of that happening are really poor for him. I have to say, though, you know, the, the attitude, what have you done for me lately? Oof, it's pretty harsh. Right? It is Joseph Martinez. I know, but um, <laughs> I, I agree. But, you know, at the same time, you know, this, the same fans that love Joseph are complaining about the product in the field and, and, and what we're producing and at the end of the day, it's kind of cutthroat when it comes to that. Well, I think I said early on that, you know, mid-season, second half, um, if Joseph Martinez returned to somewhere in the ballpark yeah. of his old time, of his old self, that we would see a strong Atlanta United finish. But if he didn't, it would be a long season because we don't have really any real replacement for him. And yeah. Kubo Torres... Kubo of the, I'll raise my hand to be seen. Yeah. <laughs> right? What the heck was that? I mean, pod, gear podcast listeners, right? 
the free kicks coming in. Khan is there to catch her. It looked like he was going to punch it. It was a little weird. But clearly there to make the play. And Kubo Torres reaches out to stop the ball. What the? I mean. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, and so at, right after that, uh, I, I put a, a Twitter poll out there at ATL on Fire on you know, who's been the worst secondary striker we've had at the club to date. Oh. Um, I put Kubo Torres, Adam Jean, and Kenwin Jones in that poll. And by far, Kubo Torres, you know, I, of course, time is always created, creating a bias here, but 83% agreed Kubo Torres is the worst secondary striker. Interesting on some of the comments, the best, the best secondary striker, Tito Vialba. Well, yeah, and really it's the, hard to call him a secondary striker. Yeah, I know he he's played more, alongside he's a winger. Martinez a lot. You yeah, know, but, but yeah, he was fantastic. Yeah. Um. So, where was I going? Get me back on track, Dave. <laughs> well, you know, we haven't talked about the you know the rest of the game. Um, you know, we score very early first on the road, great start, and then. You know, not too long after, concede a corner kick of our own. I don't know what you felt about that, but it almost looked for the first time like in the middle we were kind of zonal marking. It was weird. They were man-to-man marking. It wasn't a true zone. Um, but Sosa wasn't really tracking his guy. He looked like he was zoning. Yeah. Um, if, if I remember, I just was, you know, thinking about kind of your um – you noting the fact that again on corner kicks you're not playing the man you're playing the ball and i think that was a classic case of as a collective there was whoever was in the arc of where you're playing the ball didn't get the job done so i mean that's that's how all corner kicks are scored at the end of the day no one was right there challenging where the ball is coming down and that's what the collective has to figure out somebody's got to be just hell-bent on getting up into a challenging challenging position whether it's the shortest guy on the field or the tallest, right. somebody somebody at least make an effort to make it difficult, right? And so, right, yeah. Um, but I was happy to see that Kubo got subbed off, and <laughs> and Heinze finally um, got his head out of his ass and took Kubo off the field and gave somebody else a chance. Yeah, Jackson Conway again. Right. again right. One of my you know my biggest beefs with Heinze right now uh, really has been the Kubo thing and. You know, he proved me right. He put in Conway, and what what's he, he do? do? First first opportunity that kid gets. Golasso. Golasso. So. Nice goal. So, you know, Jackson Conway played, you know, four minutes at the end of last season and scored, and now he's played four minutes yeah. um, on this game and scored. So, you know, maybe you should put him back in the game. <laughs> and in the meantime, Joseph's uh, playing uh, juggling uh, in the corner. Oh, and so, so what do you think? Do you oh. think that in the New England game on Saturday, Joseph's going to get the start? Like, what does this mean? Like, it's very strange. I've right? never heard of a player training by himself outside the team being even included on the match day roster. Right. So I would have to say that Joseph Martinez, sadly enough as it is, and I'm going to the game, so um, I would say he's got to be not even amongst the subs. You would think, unless there's a you know, maybe they can make up, you know, maybe there was an argument and Heinz says, says, as soon as you are willing to, you know, say you're sorry, we're fine or something. And then maybe it could change, but unless something changes and he actually trains with the team before, um, Saturday, then, uh, I wouldn't count on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, not a, a lot of good smoke signals coming from the Joseph Martinez thing. And, you know, where there's smoke, there's usually fire. I don't know what the fire is, though. I, can, I, I can't believe it's a, a trade. It just doesn't make sense on so many fronts. So I hate to come back to that, but just... Yeah. I'm a little bit concerned it's a trade. I have to say. I... Um, it seems to me that it, it doesn't make any sense. I agree with everything you said, you know, but it seems to me, unfortunately, like it could be a trade. Um, like, where would he go? As I said, maybe somewhere else. David in the Beckham MLS. talk him in to uh, going down to the. Well, he could go to any MLS team. They would all want him, right? You know take a chance there's a lot of teams that need a striker and yep. take a chance that he's coming back and maybe they maybe Heinze has seen enough in training to say i don't think he's ever coming back but that would seem awfully quick to judge i mean you know yeah. maybe at the end of a full season but you yeah. know i'm not sure about that but it it, it you know it worries me um, I'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> and and to be honest with you this is where our front organization has not necessarily um inspired confidence lately you don't feel like they're necessarily all on the same page making good decisions for the club early on you felt like it and we had some conversations about you know what what it was and um to be honest um every day that goes by makes it seem a little bit more like the genius was all tata yeah I, 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 I hear you. I just don't know if I truly believe that, but I, there's definitely some things there that uh, hold true, but I also feel like, you know, Tata clearly had so much influence even before the club began. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like the fact that I'm in, I'm not, not in terms of coaching. I meant in terms of player selection, you know, and, okay. and recruitment, like he got a lot of the players, you know, he handpicked, right. You know, Al Marone, and he handpicked Joseph Martinez, and he handpicked Tito Bayalba. Right? So let's go on to, yeah, that being like the, the Heinze equivalent, right? So since we're going to look at the player selection that I would assume that Heinze had influence over, right? It's Sosa and yep. it's Ibarra. Yep. Two players that, from what I've seen, I know Ibarra's injured right now, were are excellent picks in terms of targets. Sosa's been, you know, class. Um, and... Abara, very young, but has shown promise. Yeah. So I got no problem with that. Um, the one, you know, who so far has been a bust is Alan Franco, who's yeah. supposed to be the star, you know, of a Agreed. Mall, but but, but he, it's unclear, you know. I would assume that Heinze had a huge role in selecting Alan Franco coming from the Argentinian League, but, you know, I don't know. So since you've got a, a U.S. men's national team jersey on, yes, and, I do. and the U.S. played Haiti... Uh, a few days ago, yeah, one of our, our condolences one of our, to the country of Haiti for all of the yeah, <laughs> madness right. that's going on there. Yeah, hard, hard enough to be a Haitian, but yeah, to have that uh, going on. Kudos to the players, uh, you know, who put on a hell of a match against the, the U.S. team. But our Miles Robinson got a full ninety minutes. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, uh, Miles Robinson has got to be in contention, um, you know, for the U.S. national team. It's interesting, so. Um, Burhalter chose to go, whatever they called that, the nations can Concacaf Nations Cup. Um, he go went with all of the European stars, 
And to be honest with you, I do think that I, I, I question it at the time, but now I think calendar wise, it makes a ton of sense because so all the European players were just coming off the season, the Pulisics and the Weston McKennies and et cetera, et cetera. All these Sergio Dest, you know, great young players coming off a long season. They went right into the CONCACAF Nations Cup. It's not as long as the Gold Cup in terms of calendar time and not as many matches. They played it. They won against Mexico, got all the momentum, and then chose basically an entire MLS roster for the Gold Cup. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, you got to feel like with the back center back pairing that we had from for the CONCACAF Nations Cup, that Robinson, it wasn't that strong. And you got to f- get the feeling that Robinson has a chance to be the starting center back um, in Qatar. But keep in mind... Mm-hmm. That the the World Cup is coming very soon because uh, because of COVID we're off a cycle. So European Championship is usually two years off. It's only one year off now. Um, and on top of that, they moved it from the summer to the winter. Yeah. So it's um, a year from you know October November it kicks off. So a little over a year of the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think Miles has a little ways to go if he's going to earn that position. Um, against a Haitian team where the team in general did not play, you know, overly well, they got the job done at Haitians one. Haitians, Haiti is a decent side. I mean, not, you know, yeah, I'm, not a great side. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, side. I'm not going to go Stephen A. Smith here. <laughs> uh, I'm just not. But we're talking about Haiti. And yeah, I expect the United States with an MLS kind of all-star team Yep, that we should be able to handily beat Haiti, who uh, unfortunately as a country doesn't have the resources that sure. the U.S. has to get the training and, and everything. We need to get the job done 3 nothing at minimum with an MLS all-star team, including Miles Robinson. So in my poll, um, and I voted in this one, I, I had said that, you know, how do you think he did in the 90 minutes? Uh, poor, okay, good, or amazing. I voted okay, which was 18%. Most people said good, which is fair. I think it was between okay and good, maybe. Yeah, I would have gone in between okay and good. 11, yeah, okay. Between okay and good is kind of where I am. Because, you know, the thing is, is he didn't do anything um, of of purpose in terms of uh, outside of defending well. Mm-hmm. You know, he got back in kind of a shaky moment and did some nice man-to-man like he always yep. does. Yep. But almost got beat on that one. So I felt like he was a little shaky, even though he got the job done. No other mistakes we didn't get scored on, so you can't fault him. But I can't think of like, oh, that was like a really nice probing pass. It's interesting, you know, uh, under De Boer, Robinson had a bit of a swagger. Yeah. Uh, and I don't necessarily feel like he quite has that swagger under Heinze. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that is. It's just strange, right? Because they both kind of come from similar positions, right? They're both and defenders. Both defenders. Um, and in fact... You know, you would say De Boer was more of a central defender, um, but um, Heinze finished his career when he was playing at Real Madrid and whatever. He was a center back. Okay. So um, it's not like he doesn't <laughs> coach a center back. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that is. Um, but, you know, you will say, right, so Mexico, right, so Mexico gets a 0-0 draw, right? You know, so if we're yeah. criticizing the U.S., Right, Mexico dominated the match, but they yeah. got a zero-zero draw against um, Trin- Trinidad and Tobago. Trinidad, yeah. And uh, I, I don't know. I only watched the first half of the Guatemala game last night, but it was zero-zero. Uh, oh no, it was one nothing uh, Mexico. 
at halftime. So I didn't see how that one ended. But um, back to Atlanta United, uh, another Twitter poll. Who's been the uh, most valuable player so far this season? So games to date. And, you know, I did my best to try to limit it to handful of field players who I think were worthy of uh-huh. of that recognition. And I put Lennon, Sosa, Moreno, and Robinson in the poll. And Sosa, not surprisingly to me, won, won the poll. Yeah. Um, some people felt very strongly that Robinson was the, uh, at least in the comments, were, you know, unquestionably the, the yeah, right ATL choice. ATL on fire audience, I mean, I think is clearly showing their sophistication because um, Sosa's been the class of the team thus far. I agree. And Robinson has been rock solid too. Um, sure. But again, I agree. I don't know that he is, um, if you pull him out, um, I, I guess it's like if you have to pull out a player in this poll, like who's your most valuable, I'd be scared if Sosa was not in the lineup because he's just so valuable. Well, the one match that he wasn't in the lineup was Chicago, right? Mm-hmm. On the road where, you know, in, in fairness, we had a lot of players missing, but Chicago is a terrible side. And, uh, you know, without him, the team just looked lost. Yeah. So um, I so, think the play, you know, we lost 3 0. We've been in, even with all the disappointing results, we've been in every match. And a lot of matches we deserved a little bit better. The Chicago match, we deserved to get hammered when he was out 3 0. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I've long observed with Atlanta United is we because we are bold to invest in some of the best talent out there and pay the transfer fee and pay the salaries with designated players is we are a team that is designed to win by having three designated players on the field Uh and at least two as many times as possible to have a chance to win. And um, there was a guy on our Twitter that uh, looked at the data and I have to find it here, but um, the last two years, you, when you look at the data, there's just such a stark drop off in our wins. Um, you know, particularly how many t- how many times have we lost when we've had all three designated players in the field? Almost like never. It's like a handful of games. Hmm. Um, so, but is that heavily skewed towards the Tata era? I mean, no. I mean, think about it. think about it. Like, imagine right now, in, in my opinion, whether you call it, it's Alan Franco or. Moreno, because I think Moreno's bought down now, but if you call, call it Moreno, Barco, and Joseph, like they've never been on the field together this season. Maybe one, maybe once, I don't know. I don't think maybe yeah. ever. Yeah. Um, and, and certainly not consistently. And that's where this is, it becomes so frustrating, especially in a big international year like we have now, where rightfully some players are just not available. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it plagues me in terms of, really seeing the Atlanta United side that we have um, designed, right? It's not on the field ever. Yeah. um, You know, one of the things you have to consider as a manager is putting together a team is, you know, all of these competitions, you know. Um, You know, for example, maybe they should have known that Barco, with his age as an Argentinian national team, was right to play in a number of, you know, U23, World Cup, Olympics, etc. cetera. Um, that I don't think should have surprised anybody. Um, now you might say, look, you got to go for it. And if he's that good and he plays that well and then he goes off and he comes back, it's fine. Um, but, you know, for example, it always surprises me, the European teams, you know, the African Nations Cup occurs right in the middle of the European season. And um, a number of 
teams rely on a, number, a few African players and then they disappear for a month and a half every, you know, few years um, right in the middle of the season and those teams just fall apart. And you're like, well, as a general manager, you have to know that's coming, yeah. right? You have to know that I cannot have two players from Africa playing in the heart of my midfield and knowing that they're going to disappear for middle part of the season and, you know, going to cost us. So so what would you do if you're a Heinze in the situation where you know, uh, you know, Barca is likely going to go to the Olympics and Joseph's going to be in the Copa America? You know, um, I mean, one of the things you would have to say when Atlanta United chose to stand, you know, to stay put on the striker situation this offseason, they really didn't bring in a true backup striker. Well, Lo- um, Lopez, I think, was a real dagger that he had personal yeah. issues. Like, okay, I-, I think Lopez was their bet there. And but do you think that even when Martinez was gone, Lopez was going to be carrying the scoring load? I think, I think so. I think he's. I think he. He didn't show it when he played. Uh, I certainly saw a lot more maturity in what he was able to contribute You're in saying terms that of, he was better than Kubo Torres. Yeah, yeah, that's a low bar, Mike. His Dox. his ideas <laughs> his ideas other than chewing on uh, blue gum were were good as far as I'm concerned. I think with a little bit more time, yeah, uh, I I would have bet that Lopez would have started to knock some in the back of the net. I didn't see it. Uh, you know, I thought that. You know, as good as Lopez is as a player, I felt like he yeah. was past it, even for MLS. Yeah. I think I think he would have been uh, just as good as Tevez if we bring him over right now, which is not happening. Um, not happening, people. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> I'm so not, who's I'm the not young, waiting. Who's the young um, Argentinian player from... Um, uh, who they've been linked with, you know, who's it's, the other possibility? I know, I know his last name in Dirty South Soccer... Um, uh, had written an article about it, like in terms of our targets. And this one was probably the the most um, unlikely or the biggest stretch oh, be- okay. because he is a highly sought-after player. Yeah. Evidently, Leeds, Leeds United, Man City, some other uh, English uh, Premier League clubs are interested in this guy. He's 20 years old. His last name is... Almeida, Almada. Mm-hmm. I might be getting that yeah. wrong. I forget his first name. 20 years old. Um, a, a striker uh, again, but I love the fact that I'm hearing this type of rumor as being, if we go back to Joseph ACL, whether it is a uh, next generation player that we bring in behind Joseph, which is what I think it would be. Cause I don't think we're getting rid of Joseph. I think I'd rather see, you know, you bring in a 20 year old behind Joseph that gets, you know, mentored by him and, and eventually takes his job over. Yeah, um, I mean, that, um, but the problem is Joseph Martinez, twenty eight, right? And so, and so he's got two more years at best of, and, and I would say two to four years. Jordan and Morris. The problem is, you two, know, even two years. You got to figure this kid if he's as good as people say he is, right? His goal is to come here and in two years be off to Europe. So that doesn't work. Well, I think that's going to be the the cycle of Atlanta United soccer forever. Is two years and gone. Yeah, Especially but then that doesn't any, work for, for being the replacement for Martinez because for the next two years, presumably, he's still very oh, much in his prime. Okay, maybe not two years, but three years. Um, and, <laughs> and you know... We're splitting hairs here we're on split, the podcast. We're, we're splitting hairs, but also, I think... Yeah, I think, you know, if Joseph, again, isn't putting up the numbers, then 
that two years is value. Maybe Joseph isn't our starter. I know I'm, I'm being, I'm being cold uh, to a lot of listeners out there that, you know, want the wins, but want Joseph to be our celebrity guy. I, I'm going to propose I need some something radical, Mikey Dobbs. Yep. Ready? Are yep. you ready? Hit me. You can play with two strikers. I know. <laughs> a, 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 a lot of people um, were talking about that on Twitter today in this little group thing. I don't even know how Twitter works. I'm like, I try. Oh, come I, on. You own Twitter. I Dobbs. know, but no, I try not to understand too much about what we have the best twitter polls on we, of all we do have the best atlanta united twitter polls i will say that out outside of uh uh any other any other tweets out there do we have any and, trivia and, th- and thank you for all the participation on the uh, the twitter polls everybody i appreciate keep that. it coming absolutely do we have any trivia uh no not tonight we don't okay i have a trivia question for you all right hit me what famous atlanta united associated figure might make an appearance on the podcast oh yeah so that's a that's a good uh, good point so uh on on twitter once again uh, i reached out to to jason longshore who um is the jason longshore yeah, the uh 92.9 the game uh on air commentator for atlanta united uh was nice enough to um suggest he'd maybe make some time to join our show in an upcoming uh episode so you and I need to get our act together here and uh, put an agenda together for Jason and pick his brain. So I think it's a good timing too, with so much happening with Atlanta United. It'll Fair. be be great to get somebody like Jason who is super level headed. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of his interviews on ninety two nine The Game and other. Uh, so you mean the opposite of you, Mikey? Davis. Yeah, the opposite of me. He's uh, <laughs> he's not overly emotional. So I think you two, you and Jason, will be able. <laughs> the to... The <laughs> rant is on, ladies and gentlemen. Now, um, yeah, no, a real a real guest. It's almost like we're going to be a real podcast. I know, right? Look at that, year three. And I must say, I I um, I really support the radio podcast. A number of times, I've been you know hearing about with my kids you know at their own soccer whatever and i'm listening to the game on the radio so i really appreciate that um i also say the nashville game which i tried to watch live on the airplane you know there's no chance with valley sports it's impossible yeah no yeah so for all the people with the 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 local uh tv broadcasting challenges um just a, a shout out to to 92.9 the game who's supported the the club from the get-go uh, tune in. Jason Longshore is definitely fantastic. Um, Ninety-two on, on nine, the game. Yes, Valley Sports. No, no. <laughs> man. Can they at least cut a deal with somebody? I don't care who. One of the streaming services. Somebody's got a blink. I mean, come on, right? Oy vey. Um, what else do you want to talk about, Dave? We're we're kind of. Uh, Wrapping uh, it up there's here. been so much, uh, you know, so much soccer on television. Um, you know, we've had the European Championship epic ending. Yeah. Uh, we had the South Copa America. The South Nations America, League tournament. Nations League tournament. And the Gold Cup. So Gold tonight, Cup. yeah, U.S. versus Who will Martinique. be the greatest <laughs> team in the world? Martinique or USA? Um, oh, come on. <laughs> if it's not a complete bloodbath, I'm going to be upset, personally. They speak French in Martinique, so, you know. I know, and that's the thing. It's in, it's interesting you say that, but, like, you know, that that's where a, a lot of um, 
French players who could be on the French national team, right? Actually kind of see the writing on the wall. They're never going to make the French yeah, national like Pogba team. And Mbappe. And, and, no, yeah, yeah, right. They're like, they're like, I'm not going to take Pogba or, uh, you know, uh, whoever's position. Martinique's like, Conte, we'll take him. And, uh, yeah, yeah, so Martinique's like, you know, come on over. So um, I say that with uh, with that actually being an actual real real thing in terms of, yeah. well, how can Mark, Martinique field uh, – uh, you know, a, a challenging team. Well, I think that is one of the, the lifelines that they have in terms of being uh, a small nation is they do have that as a, a way to recruit, um, you know, citizens that, uh, you know, how all that works they, these days is a little bit more. So what flexible. do you think of Cutter's chance of winning the world cup as the host nation? <laughs> I, you know, uh, do you know that none, Cutter, but... here's a trivia question. Yep. Is Cutter, Larger or smaller than the state of Connecticut? I'm going to go smaller. I mean, I have a pretty good sense of where it sits um, on the map. Although that is on, on a map, an exaggerated part of like a flat map, the way that it works and the way that it's. So depending on where you are on the latitude, but I'm going to guess that Cutter is actually uh, smaller than Connecticut. It's apparently very close, but yes, you're correct. It is smaller than the state of yeah. Connecticut. So there are, there are all. Oh, you know what? I have all that. ten stadiums or something are within forty five minutes. Yeah, I have that wrong, by the way. So when you look at, um, you know, a map that's flat, so like green then looks huge. Are you saying the Earth is flat? <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> no, for you flat earthers, come over here and you got it coming to you. We haven't talked about the billionaires who launched themselves oh, into space. No, how about that. No, we're not, not going there either. But no, evidently, so if you look at a flat map, um, like Greenland looks, you know, like it's a huge part of huge. the northern part of Africa, right? But Africa is absolutely gigantic. And so the way that it's represented on a flat map, anyway, take that into, into context. Kind of like Marietta. Yeah. Mayretta. <laughs> <laughs> the big chicken looks way bigger than it is. Um, so what do you think uh, our chances are of beating New England here on Saturday? You're going to be at the game, right? Yeah, well, I, I was feeling a little bit better because, you know, um, with Joseph being back and Alan Franco being apparently healthy. and um, any, any word on Ronald Hernandez, who played in the Copa America, seems fit? Like, are we going to see him? I mean, you know, it seems like... Um, you know, we had this conversation early. Was it Ronald Hernandez wasn't ready or was it, um, Brooks Lennon had just beat him out. It seems like Brooks Lennon beat him out. Um, so what about Bello and, and miles being out on the left side, uh, both center center and, and on the, the left outside, like, does he have a, can he, can he play that if we needed him on the left side? I was wondering whether, yeah, Hernandez could play in the center back maybe, or if, you know, the other possibility is, um, with Jurgen Dom still struggling, um, whether or not, um, you know, Hernandez can come in at right back and then Lennon can move up to outside midfield and give us a little bit more of attack. So Jurgen Dom, is he going to be on the eligible list of players, uh, for New England? I don't know. It's unclear on my spreadsheet. I don't know. Question mark? Question mark. And then... So your spreadsheet is exactly like Atlantean. Yeah. <laughs> it's unclear on... A, do you think... Uh, unclear, unclear, Alan, and unclear. Alan Franco gets to start with Miles Robinson being out? I would be shocked, shocked if that's not right? true, but... Um, Alex Dijon broken out... Uh, yeah, not Alex available Dijon, with a broken no. elbow. I mean... 
Who knew Alex Dijon was going to get any playing time? Um, yeah. Um, and obviously Campbell is the other possibility. Yeah. He hasn't gotten any look whatsoever. Obviously, Heinz I don't hate him. Campbell. Like, the minutes I've seen, he's, it doesn't look like he's... Super young. S- somebody that I want to necessarily see get a, a, a starting role right now. But I feel like there's a lot of promise still with what I've seen. He's a strong guy, like built but very much like your homegrown kind of mls style player but the homegrown players have not you know if you want to talk about um you know what has been disappointing in the club thus far i mean homegrown players i mean outside of bello who you know has established himself but hasn't made a huge dent yet you know maybe he'll yeah. do it but you know the homegrown players non-existent yeah. I mean, we've had a number of them who are supposed to be this and that. The We keep hearing about how the Atlanta United Academy is this and that. They win championships. They've got all these young players, whatever, nobody. Either they're not giving them a chance or they're not good is, enough. Is Jackson Conway homegrown? Where, what's his story? Jackson Conway is a, uh, is a homegrown. Okay. Chuck Chall is. So, yeah. you know, so the, first there's, there's two, right? I so, mean, maybe Hines is different. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I agree. I think Bello... Uh, particularly the last two years, not a super fast ascension, but steady things that I'm seeing that show that he's maturing. Um, Miles is not homegrown, but he's an MLS draft, right? Yeah, MLS draft. So we had Gressel and and Robinson came out of the draft. Yeah. Um, um, The other guy who left this year, um, Galloway or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, For for Austin FC. Yeah. John Gallagher. Gallagher, sorry. Um, he was uh, he was draft pick too. Yeah. He um, and by the way, he had a fabulous first goal for. Yes, yeah, so you got to say that. Um, first first goal for for them at home. I mean, I uh, apparently Bocanegra has been in charge of MLS, you know, scouting and and the draft. Um, and you got to say the draft, who most people say does nothing for any of the MLS teams. Because very few of the players are coming out of college. We've done pretty well. I mean, yeah. Robinson, well, Grassle. In today's cancel cultural culture, after an article or whatever, like Boke out, Eels out, Heinze out, like all these people, like, okay, it's like war is not the answer. Okay, well, tell me what the solution is. Because, like, what do you got? That's so, right. I, I know, so I, you're defending. Wait, wait. Are, I'm a little bit confused. Are you defending the people saying out or are you saying that's crazy that's crazy yeah i agree like i mean it's crazy like and i look i'm not a fan of war either okay but point being and i don't want to go there but like okay well come with your solutions that are at least realistic when someone isn't getting the job done i don't know i'm i'll just i'll retract from that but yeah and even coaching wise even if heinza turns out to be a bust as the bower sort of did um you gotta say that um, they weren't, you know, horrific choices, right? They're taking a chance and whatever, and 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 I still feel. I almost should. I, I I'm still gonna stay. I'm still on the Heinz of bandwagon. Um, I think it's too early to say anything about whether or not he's really. Yeah, like good. like I said, like I mean, when have we seen any of our starters on the field together? Not only the designated players, but literally like. The people that you would just look at the map and be like, yes, give these players 90 minutes together and let's see whether it's Alan Franco, Ronald Hernandez, 
Miles. Um, and honestly, it, for a lot of this season, if you had taken the way Atlanta had played and and add to it a healthy Martinez who can finish, we would be at the top of the table or near the top of the yeah. table. So, um, I mean, our starting squads have been completely not what an ideal coach would pick. And it, there's a multitude of reasons for it. And I know every team deals with that, but I feel like Heinze coming into the situation, only having a hand selected a few that he was able to pull in this year, mm-hmm. that I, you've got to give him more runway. And I like a coach that's got a lot of attitude. I mean, <laughs> yeah, fair. So that's a Mikey Dobbs style coach right there. And, you know, we, don't, we have no idea. I mean, this is why you get into all these problems with speculation because the club doesn't tell you anything. Um, at least here you've heard you heard from the club that um, it was Heinz's decision. It's yeah. not an injury. They aren't playing games with that. So it's clearly coach's decision. And Heinz owned up to it. He said yeah. it was me and only me and... So. Yeah, which, you know, to me is the, you know, the, the pissing match that Joseph's had with Tata and Frank DeBoer and now with Heinze. And Heinze is definitely going to win this one. <laughs> um, and and uh, I'm okay with that. And, you know, the, the idea that it's something trans-related, there's, there's a possibility, but I just don't believe it. It's, it's um, As a Man United coach, you know, as a Man United fan, I mean, we, you talk about, you know, Alex Ferguson, and he wouldn't take nothing from nobody. You know, Beckham doing too many commercials, bye-bye. Yop, Sam, you know, talking about this, bye-bye, right? Like, he had no problem with being like, see ya. Yeah. So play for my team. You play the way I play, want you to play, or... Yeah, I mean, right now, if that's his attitude, I want Heinze here for even longer. I want to give him even more runway. If he's going to lay down the law, and, you know, out of the article coming out out of The Athletic... It, it seemed to me there was a little bit of naiveness with Frank DeBoer on understanding what was going on and how to put the hammer down. I think he got almost overrun by the team to some degree, you know, with the whole meeting and the, like, oh, how do we play nice in the sandbox? And at the end of the day, he lost control of the team where Heinze is going to refuse to do that. And if that means he gets fired, I think he's okay with it and he's going to move on. And so I, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Amen. So, on that note, this wine, by the way, is fantastic. (laughs) Glad I won that bet. (laughs) Well, here's to you, Mike Dabbs, and here's to ATL on Fire. Here's to ATL on Fire. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We are going to hopefully do one shortly here and uh, tune back in. So, thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. If anybody actually made it this far in the podcast, would love to hear your feedback on Twitter at ATL on fire and tell your friends to subscribe. We are on iTunes, Google play, and really any sort of podcast, uh, platform that you're on. So do listen again. Have a good one.